You're listening to a podcast from Northeast Christian Church. For more information about Northeast, go to ncclex.org. Thanks for listening. So borders, borders are synonymous with security and safety. But when it comes to faith, hope, and love, we are called to live without borders. So when we talked about faith, we identified faith as walk. Faith is walking with certainty toward that to which God has called us. And hope, hope is wait. Hope is waiting with certainty for the promise that God has extended to us to be fulfilled. So faith is walk, hope is wait. And when it comes to love, love is this way this way that we live, this way that we have about us. And some of you have asked, why are we doing this series? And it's simple. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, this is what we have to live with. Remaining right now in the interim between now and the reality of the return of Christ, faith, hope, and love. These remain present with us even today. And the greatest, the greatest is love. And as we unpack this idea of love and how we can live without borders when it comes to love, there's one word I want to introduce you to, or I should say, reintroduce to you. And it's the concept of different. Different. Let me tell you what I mean. Michelle got so excited the other day. Does anybody shop at Kroger? Kroger shoppers? Michelle loves the click list. Rocked her world when she first found out about it. But now Meyer, she got this flyer in the mail. Meyer is doing this thing where you don't have to just go online and click list and go pick up your groceries. They'll bring them to your car at Kroger. Meyer will ship your groceries to your door. Can you imagine? So yeah, she's drooling over this thing right here. And it's blowing my mind because to me, there's nothing better than having the entire family, all five or six of us, in the grocery store with a buggy, two kids, you know, one on each side, me doing a hot thing and then riding it out up and down each and every hour. I love that. She's different. I'm different. Same difference. Not right, not wrong. Just different. But I tell you, when she talks about having the grocery ship, there's a disruption in my spirit. It doesn't make sense to me to have the grocery shipped to our house. That's about groceries. Now, what if you're talking about race or religion or politics and it's different? We need a way about us. We need to leverage love so that we can deal with the different. And I believe, I believe Peter gets this. We've been using Peter as our segue into this, these ideas of faith, hope, and love. And I believe Peter really gets this. Notice what he says in his first letter. He says, be clear-minded, self-controlled. That idea of faith and hope playing out right there. Be clear-minded, self-controlled. Think straight in the here and now so that you can pray. Because there's going to be some different stuff. There's going to be differences. It's going to cause a disruption. And you need to think straight about it. You need to control yourself. And above all, the most important part, above all, love each other deeply in spite of the differences because love covers a multitude of sins. Notice 
word multitude, it's not about quantity. Like it covers a whole lot of sins. You know, you keep messing up, messing up, messing up. Love covers all that. It has more to do with difference. It's about the quality. In other words, love covers a multitude of sins. It covers all kinds. You and I are going to get the faith wrong. Sometimes we're not going to walk in the right direction. You and I, we're going to get the hope wrong. Sometimes we're not going to wait. We're going to move forward in impatience and create our own way. And that's going to cause problems. It's going to cause conflict. It's going to cause sin in different ways. And you and I must be prepared to deal with the different. And we have to leverage love as this way of life in doing so. The word love is the word agape. And this is different from the other Greek words. Uh, One of the other Greek words we use in the Bible is phileo, and it's brotherly love, and it is wrapped up in emotion. But agape love is not wrapped up in emotion. It's a decision, which is one reason it can be commanded because this type of love doesn't cater to the emotions. It's not bent on a feeling. It's a choice. This type of love is a choice. You choose what God prefers and that's why he can command it so above all love each other in spite of the differences love each other deeply you ever heard of John O. Lancaster look at this baby picture cute little fella cute little fella I bet you can see some drooping in his eyes though he was diagnosed with this thing called Treacher Collins syndrome so the eyes droop a little because the cheekbones haven't fully developed 36 hours old And this cute little guy's abandoned. Now he grows up, he goes on to say, hey, I hold no fault to my parents. It's untelling what they were going through at the time, like that. But at the time, his mom said, she's quoted as saying, I just didn't have a natural bond with my baby because he's different. Fortunately, a lady named Jean, she adopted this guy. And she's quoted as saying, yeah, he looks different, but it didn't put me off. Isn't that awesome? It looks different. He looks different. This looks different, but it doesn't put me off. That's because she was able to leverage this love that says, I've got a choice to make. And I can choose what God prefers So when we're using Peter, I bet he's got an event in his mind from history and an event in his mind from his story that echoes this idea. And from history, I bet he thinks of Joseph. I bet he thinks of Joseph. And you know the story of Joseph, right? He's got the coat of many colors, loved by his dad, has a group of brothers. They don't think too highly of him. They eventually sell him to this group of travelers and he goes to Egypt and God does this great thing through his life. Some of you know the story. It's a beautiful story. But Joseph's only 17 when this happens. And when you read through it, you get the idea that all this trouble is coming his way at the hands of his family because he's different. Let's read it. Genesis 37. Notice this language. When Joseph was 17... He had a dream and he told it to his brothers. And some of you know this dream wasn't just something random. God was the one who dropped this dream into Joseph's mind. So he said, hey, I had this dream. He's talking to his brothers. We were gathering grain in the field and my bundle of grain stood up 
Your bundles of grain gathered around it and they bowed down to my bundle. Then his brother said to him, wait, are you going to be our king? Are you going to rule over us? So they hated him for his dream. Then he had another dream and he said, hey, the sun and the moon and 11 stars, they were bowing down to me. And he told it to his father and he told it to his brothers. And his father spoke sharp words to him because this is different. And he said, what's this dream you've had? Mine, your mother going to bow down. Your brother's going to come and bow ourselves down to the ground in front of you. God gave this 17-year-old young man a dream and it was different. So he's treated with hostility from his family. And you know the story. You know what happens. At the hands of his brothers, he becomes a victim of human trafficking because he's different. 17. Can I check in with you parents who have teenagers in your home? Just to check in. Say, I know sometimes teenagers can be different. Just like Joseph. Maybe some stirrings going on in their lives that you don't get. This stirring in Joseph's life was from God. And it put distance between him and his family. Just to check in. Do you know what's going on in your teen's life? So there's some stuff you need to check in with them about. Some stirrings, some ideas, some thoughts, some patterns you see. Maybe there's a little more to it. Do you know how God is stirring in their lives? So proud of the fathers around here. I was in my office this past Thursday with a guy sitting across my desk and he was telling me about this thing he did with his children. He has three kids. And he made this little, what looked like an Excel spreadsheet, three rows, three columns. And he's listing out every quality of his kids. He's listing out their primary qualities. Then he's highlighting what really stands out about them, who they really are. And he said, this is what my children are like. This is who they are. And now I'm trying to discover based on this information, how to direct them, how to lead them. Is that amazing or what? Man, we could follow this guy's example and be in tune with what God may be doing in the lives of our youth and the lives of your children under your roof. But the story goes on. Chapter 39, this guy's got a way about him. This Joseph, he has a way. Joseph was well built. He was handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of him. And she said, hey, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, and notice his logic, with me in charge, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one's greater in the house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you're his wife. I love this. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against my God? This is a man who is choosing this way of life, choosing what God prefers. Can't you see him saying, God's doing this thing in my life? I mean, I'm walking in the direction he wants me to go. 
I'm waiting, hanging out for this promise he's extended my way. So now he's got this way about him, choosing what God prefers. Notice how the story ends, chapter 45. Joseph could no longer control himself before all of his attendants, and he cried out, hey, have everyone leave my presence. You know the story. He's been separated from his brothers, and now they're back. They don't know that Joseph is this high and mighty guy in Egypt now. Joseph was unsure of the life of his father and his brothers, what's the status of everyone. So now they're back together. Joseph sends everyone out in this meeting except his brothers. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers, but his brothers were not able to answer because they were terrified at his presence. And get this. Then Joseph said to his brothers, hey, come close to me so that we can lock eyes. I want you to hear me. Don't be distressed and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me here. It was not you who sent me, but God. I bet that's a picture. Come close so you can really understand what I'm saying to you. Then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and he wept. I told you about the car accident I was in. I told you about several car accidents I was in actually. I'm gonna, yeah, more I think about it. Yeah, this one, this lady stopped early morning and it was my fault. I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't texting or anything like that. Just not paying attention and I rear-ended her car. And when I get out just to check on her, I'm walking by the car and I see there's a car seat in the back. Thank goodness it was empty. This lady opens the door, steps out. There's coffee all over her and she's dressed very business-like. She's in tears because she's on her way right after dropping her kid off on her way to a job interview. And she's probably gonna have to go home, change her clothes, maybe miss an interview. It's a mess. The cops come. As Soon as the cop gets out of his car, she goes over and hugs this guy. And I'm thinking, oh gosh, I'm really in for it now, right? They're related. <laughs> then I realize, no, she's just a hugger. We get it all worked out, I get my ticket. Cop gets in his cruiser, heads out. I'm so sorry that this happened. And this gal throws her arms around me and she says, hey, forget about it. Things happen. What? People don't act like that unless you're choosing to prefer a way of life that reflects God. Paul would say it in 2 Corinthians 5, say, hey, God did this very thing through his son, through his son Christ. He was working through Christ to bring the whole world back to himself. And God was no longer holding men's sins against them. And he gave us the work of telling and showing men this. I bet there's someone different in your life. And there's been maybe an accident or something's happened, there's some conflict, some sin involved, but basically it's different. And there's a little disruption. And I bet you know exactly who I'm talking about. And what you need to do is throw your arms around this person and tell them and show them that you're not holding anything against them. If you don't, same difference. Same difference. 
I bet Peter also has in mind not only this event from history, but this event from his story as well. And you can see that he really learned, Peter did, he really learned to leverage love as this way of life. And it was kind of odd how it came about in his life. When you read through the New Testament, you can't deny that there's this tension. It's in nearly every single New Testament book. There's this tension between two groups of people, the Jews and the Gentiles. And this tension brought with it differences in race, religion, and politics. And what was necessary to bridge this gap was someone willing to show the way and then people who were willing to follow that way. That's what they needed. And Peter really gets this. Notice Acts chapter 10. Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and he wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. There we go. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds, things that Jews don't eat. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord. I've not eaten anything impure or unclean. And the voice spoke to him a second time, don't call anything impure that God has made clean. And while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. Don't hesitate to go with them for I've sent them. And the next day, Peter started out with them and found a large gathering of people. And these people, they were different than Peter. He said to them, hey, you're well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone who is different than me impure or unclean. Well, Cornelius, Gentile, answered, well, we're here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. And here's what Peter deduces from this trance he was in that God was wanting to tell him. Peter began to speak, and this is what he gets. I now realize I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, especially when it comes to people who are different than you. He doesn't show favoritism. That word favoritism means to look at the face and see what's different. And then you make a decision based on that. That's not a way, that's not choosing what God prefers. So when you think about the tension that comes with race and religion and politics, we need a way about us. We need to leverage love so that you and I are choosing what God prefers. Sophie and Christian had this little conflict a few weeks ago. Sophie was really upset. She was in her bed. Christian was doing something and there's, in our house, there's just a a little added incentive that comes with being the oldest child. I don't know how you feel about that, but it's something we do in our house. And Sophie was a little disgruntled because she wasn't equated fully with Christian in this situation. So I recap the story of Jesus and Peter and John at the end of John. Do you remember that story where Peter comes up and says, hey, Jesus, what about this guy? And Jesus says, well, you don't worry about him. You worry about yourself because that's different. 
And I told story that Sophie that recap and I said, do you understand now? And she had this really puzzled but also still disgruntled look on her face. And she said, yeah, yeah, I get it. But I don't like it. When it comes to different, I think you and I get it. I think we get it. But I also think we don't like it. We don't like it. Some of us, let's be honest, some of us, we don't do well with different. When it's different, there's a disruption that comes in your spirit. So how are you doing with different? When you're frustrated or confused, you really see the different. And if you don't check those emotions, those unchecked emotions start building borders between you and other people. They limit the leverage that love has in your life. You don't have this way about you where you're choosing what God prefers. Someone once said to be spiritually mature, you've really got to be emotionally mature. And a sign of spiritual maturity is the skill to suspend judgment. When you're dealing with different and you're frustrated or you're confused or something's not making sense and you feel hostility welling up, sometimes what we do is we have this experience and then we make a reaction. So we have this sense of reaction instead of reflection. So what happens, this occurs and then boom, we're off. But if we could all just take a step back and have this just little moment of reflection to get our bearings straight, maybe we'll have a clear understanding of what faith looks like in this or what hope looks like or what love really looks like in this scenario. Something we do at our house, we call morning huddle. It's just a great opportunity for us. It's called morning huddle. Fortunately, we're all together in the morning. So this is the time we're able to do it. But we introduce a Bible verse for the morning. And then we talk about it over the next four or five days and how it, plays, how it should play out in our life. Well, about a month ago, one of the verses that came our way was Jesus where he said, hey, treat others the way you want to be treated. And we really unpack this idea of different. So we're sitting around the table and the question come up is, if you could list three ways, there's three ways, and everybody did this, me, Michelle, Christian, Sophie, Bella, three ways that you, you really want to be treated, what would they be? And I'm gonna share one that came up in our morning huddle. And then I want you to use this time, just a moment of reflection. And if there's one way that you, you really want to be treated, what would it be? The question was posed to me some time ago that, hey, David, what's it, what's it like living on the other side of you? And I didn't know what the question meant until I thought about it. Wait, you're tricking me. You're getting me to think, what, what does it look like to live on the other side of me. I bet that's different. And I pose the question to you, what does it look like to live on the other side of you? 
especially when someone on the other side is different. So what's the way you really want to be treated? What came up in our conversation was respect. We all agreed that we want to be treated with respect as the mom, as the dad, as the kid, as the brother, as the sister, as a person in this family, but a person who's different. We want to be treated with respect. So what about you? How do you most want to be treated? Jesus says that's how we are to treat other people. Because if you don't, then it's just the same difference. It's the same difference. There'll be disruptions in your soul, in your spirit. You'll be frustrated, confused, but you won't have this way about you. You won't be leveraging love. You won't be allowing love to lead you in dealing with differently in a way that God prefers. Isn't it amazing that this great God who is perfect and flawless chose to become like you and me and to live among us and show us what faith and hope and love, what they really look like? Because you and I are going to deal with different every single day. And it's going to require that when it comes to faith, hope, and love, you and I live without borders so that we're choosing what God prefers. You have an opportunity to respond to that and choose Him and to embrace Him and say, you know what? I see you doing this thing in my life. You're stirring in me. You don't have to do it alone. We can talk about it. I'll be to your right after the sermon. Love to chat with you, pray, set up an appointment to talk further about this. If you've got any of those needs, let's talk. Because if we don't, it could just be the same difference. Nothing gets settled. Father, thank you for reaching out to us, people who are so different than you, and showing us how to get along, showing us how to work together, showing us how to move forward in our faith, how to hang on to hope, and how to leverage love as this way of life. And Father, I pray that every single one of us consider what's it like to live on the other side of us so that we're treating people the way we want to be treated. Help us to, above all, love each other deeply because love covers. Love covers the difference. Thank you for that example. And thank you for the followers who are imitating that example through Northeast Christian Church. Father, it's in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray and we praise you. Amen.